Deep Shot Podcast, episode 27. The boy is back. Caleb Sphere is back. Say what's up. What's up? What's up? Good to be Man, back. back. Good to be back. And just want to start the show. You know, obviously, some of our past episodes, we've went back and forth. And I think the Braves are officially dead. Yeah, um, the verdict's in on them, man. The, the the Braves are officially, without a doubt, dead. Rest in peace to Ronald Acuna. <laughs> he was a good one. Uh, he was a good one. Gosh, man, what what a tragedy. Right? Playing the team that we want to kick their ass the most. They've been throwing them all season, and then he goes out and does that. And then let their Twitter people tweet out some, want to see an inside the park home run. No, nobody wants to see Acuna get hurt. Dicks. Jesus. Yeah. Just laying out, trying to trying – to, you know, trying be the guy play. he is. Yeah, trying, trying to make a play. play. Trying to be one of those top five players that he is. Just, uh, it's tough. It's tough because there's, I mean, now you look at the situation. I mean, they were, I think they were at the point where they were about to be back at 500. I think that game they got back to 500, didn't they? They they are four games back as of that game. So, yeah, they were getting close. To, I mean, we were on a hot streak, really hot streak. I mean, I think we had won like 10 of the last 15 or something like that. But it's just like, dude, the Braves just cannot catch a break, man. Like Soroka walked off the mound last year, and now we're here with this, where Husker, our best player you know, uh, – Yeah, our best – or arguably the second best, the third best pitcher we got. I mean, a solid guy in the rotation. Breaks his hand because he punches something. And then the guy that's leading the team in RBI, batting average, steals, and home runs just has a freak accident. I mean, it's just a Braves luck. Dude. It's just a Braves luck completely. It's the only thing I could describe it as. Very Makes tough. me sad. Yeah. Yeah. Just, I mean, right before and, the All-Star game. Ozuna being the – Yeah, let's oh, not man. forget about that. I mean, that – we had a team like the fact that we're sitting at 500 with this squad is saying something. You know, I'm not big big on Snicker because of some of the things he said about Acuna before. I mean, the guy's not doing a bad job, and the team's actually playing decent. We're pitching really good, but it'd be a real shame if we had I don't know two of our best pitchers and our two of our best players back. Whatever. Yeah, I mean, just listen to the lineup as of July 11th, so right before, so yesterday, uh, before the All Star break. Adrianza, Freddie Freeman, Ozzy Albies, Austin Riley, Orlando Arcia, Danji Swanson, Heredia, Kevin Smith. And geez. Okay, well, there are like three relevant people in that whole lineup. I mean, and what also sucks is that we got our minor league players that could contribute. They're not going to call them up because the Braves are cheap and owned by a company. So they're not going to want to fork out a year of a contract for those guys. Uh, and agreed. then, yeah. So like waters could definitely help us now. No, he's not coming up. What about, I mean, also whatever happened to Pache, man. Yeah. So that, that's what I was going to bring up. I mean, so he's, I guess he just sucked when he came up. He would. I mean, I get guess. He's been like one sixty-five or something. Yeah, like he was that. not He's doing bad. fine. Um, I mean, he's just back in the minors, from what I know, and I don't know. I mean, I feel like it would be time to you know bring him back up, but it, I feel like you're, they're in such a situation now where it's like 
like we said, we were back at 500. Maybe a move was going to be made, but like you said, probably not because of how cheap they are. And now we're in a situation, and we talked about Snicker. I mean, a lot of people have been calling for his job. You know, is a season like this, you know, fair enough to fire him? Is that what is that the excuse they're going to use? Because, you know, like we said, they don't want to go spend money or, you know, they don't want to go spend on a big name guy. I mean, there's just so many things up in the air right now. Yeah. Well, it's just, it just sucks, man, because you could think of what if, like, this team was obviously with a full roster, healthy, probably one of the three or four best teams in the league this year, in my opinion. And, you know, we were lacking in the bullpen a little bit, but we've been able to pull it together. And, and now we're back. We, I feel like we're back at square one. Like, Braves fans, it's been such a roller coaster season because we started off quite crap. Then we, we went on a run. Then we went bad again. Then we got good. Then Ozuna hit his wife. And, you know, Waskar no then punched or something in the dugout. It's just been a horrible roller coaster so far. And, I mean, all I can say is what if. I mean, you know, three, we go from 3-1 in the NLCS to this. It sucks. The perfect way to describe it. I mean, just seems like, yeah, nothing's gone right all year. Mm-mm. Uh, Only thing I mean, we do good is hit home runs. That was it. Until that, now, true. you know, our our two best, two of our best home run hitters are one of them is I guess at home. I don't think he's in jail, but mm-hmm. um, and then the other guy is on one leg at the All Star game right now. So it's tough. We need Very to tough. Also, let's let's try to get off some negative vibes, but. The All-Star game in Colorado, which that's another thing. Let's not forget that the All-Star game was supposed to be in Atlanta right now. I should yep. not be doing podcasts on on the all I Monday. should be at the home run derby right now. I Yeah, I should be at the battery getting absolutely sloshed watching Ronald Acuna participate because if it was in Atlanta, I bet he, I, there's no doubt in my mind he would be participating and most likely winning the home run derby tonight. Um, but the All-Star game is going on. Uh, Freddie is starting in it tomorrow. Ozzy made the team as well. Um, who you got in this home run derby tonight? Um, so I think my off the top, I think Joey Gallo will probably be the winner, but I think he's gonna get tired. So I'm probably gonna go with like somebody like Juan Soto or something. I don't know. It's gonna. I, Shohei was hitting bombs in the in the uh, like absolute nukes during BP before. So, you know, he's obviously the popular pick. I mean, they just showed him on there. He had a third, a ball to third deck, like the upper deck in the outfield. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stick with Joey Gallo here. We'll see what that, see what we roll with him. Because he's going to the hell out of a ball. I kind of like this. Uh, well, I mean, I guess the format's still the same where like they go through the rounds. And, yeah. Which, how do you feel about that? I mean, it was exciting last time they did it. I'm, I'm hoping it's just as exciting. I mean, it's a pretty loaded home run derby, so I'm good I with just, it. I just remember two years ago when it was, yeah, Vladdy. Vladdy hit like – Yes, dude. He demolished the first round, but then, yeah, it was wore out in the second round. So, that I mean, it's a weird dynamic to, like, have to pace yourself that way. But I guess that's how it always is. Um, right. I, I might I – I've just been looking around. I like Shohei just because – He's obviously the popular pick, but if you don't want to be lame and go through the popular pick, I think Pete Alonso could go back to back. Yeah, it was a pretty good chance. He just hadn't hit the bullet well this year, but there's pretty decent chance he could. I mean, you know, the guy's got power and he's hitting. He's 
they're all swinging at moon balls, you know. So and course, yeah, yeah. I mean, really, the Rockies pitchers should just be up there throwing the ball. Honestly, yeah, they said that um, the ball is probably going to go like twenty or thirty feet further tonight than. Yeah, I saw the under for like farthest home run was like farthest home run was like five seventeen. Ooh, it's pretty far. <laughs> That's a long way to hit a ball. Yeah. There, I know there for sure there are three guys that can hit it that. And I know Shohei can hit it that far because he did in BP. Um, Peter Alonso, I think, hit like a five oh five one last year or two years ago. Um, yeah, I mean. That's a pretty tough number to bet on, to be honest with you. I'd probably have to stay away from that because I would think there's no way somebody's hitting a ball 520 feet, but I don't know. It is. The, the wind is blowing towards the outfield tonight, and it's in Colorado, so probably it's going to – I don't know. We, I guess we'll see. Yeah, we're going to find out. Um, NAL tomorrow. Um, I'm going to go with the NL because I think they have the better roster, but I also, I kind of want the AL to win just because Shohei is batting first and starting the pitching. I think that's pretty cool, to be honest with you. That is but, pretty cool. Maybe a little uh, punch out the first three and then home run lead off the game. Dude, strike, strike out three and just first pitch swinging and crushing. That'd be nuts. Let's yeah, take sure. NL though. I'm pretty sure in it like the A one of them has won a ton in the last couple of years. Is it the AL? I'm sure the AL's won a ton. Yeah. Yeah. I would like to think. I feel like Dana always loses. Yeah. Well, let's let's transition. Let's talk let's get rid of the baseball talk. Still kind of mad we're not in Atlanta, as we said earlier. Yeah. Uh, screw over you, the, Mark, Rob Manfred. Uh-huh. Over the weekend, McGregor Poirier. Wow. Just so funny. It's so funny. Just the fact that he told his told Poirier his wife was in his DMs right Which was true. his ankle. Which Is was it true? true? Yes. No McGregor posted something on Twitter or yeah, I think it was Twitter a while ago that McGregor's or Poirier's wife like was trying to DM him. Which is I mean Dude, that's a huge development. I got to look into this. But the fight itself, uh, it, I think it was safe to say Poirier was winning it before uh, McGregor just stepped back and broke his leg and or really just his ankle, it seemed like, in half. Uh, what did you think of the fight? Um... So, off the bat, I thought that Conor McGregor was bringing it. Whenever they were standing up, I thought Conor was going to knock him out at some point. Like, that first round was electric. But the thing is, Conor screwed up when he started trying – he tried to guillotine Poirier very early, and Conor knows he's not a ground-and-pound kind of guy, and he knows that Poirier's a grappler. So, I didn't think that was a great idea. But, you know, I think some merit – should be given towards Poirier saying that he thought he fractured his leg from checking a kick, which McGregor was kicking the fuck out of Poirier. And I thought that was a good th- good strategy to do. But, I mean, obviously it ended up turning into his leg looking like a loaf of bread or a piece of bread or something. But, <laughs> um, I thought it was a – it's like, 
you know, Poirier and McGregor is always an electric fight, especially coming up to like whenever they're talking shit right beforehand and all that kind of stuff. It's always fun. Yeah, just a, but, a tough scenario for like that's how the fight ends. But look, so I just found it. Yeah, McGregor, uh, three day the July eighth. So it was a picture of Poirier and his wife, or no? It was yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it was Poirier and his wife walking into a press conference. McGregor posted a screen recording of him looking up Dustin Poirier's wife's name, and he clicked on it, and then clicked on the message, and it says "accept message from Jolie Poirier." That's wild. And then you can, I wish you could see the message. I wish McGregor just yeah, would have that's what I want to see. I want to see what the message is about. Yeah, see what it says. But th- that did happen. So when you when you, your wife's in my DM, also McGregor's just so like he's sitting on the ground. Also, I just want to say this: McGregor's for you page is literally just all pictures of him or for you like explore page on Instagram. Like it's literally like five of the same pictures of him, and then pictures of him in Portier and. Like a picture of Khabib, like it's so. Anyway, but wild, yeah, wild stuff. But I love how he's just on the floor, just. I mean, probably that's gotta hurt so bad, like to a normal person. And he's just he's just screaming, already trying to go for round four. Just total McGregor mentality. Right. Yeah, that's a very tough injury to do. And come back from also, and that's kind of what I talked to somebody about that today. It's like, dude, this this guy, I mean, he's fought in twenty eight MMA fights now, and he's won like the fourth or fifth most. And let's not forget how much money he made with Floyd, the Floyd fight. I, if I was him, I think I'd stay home after that, bro, because he's gonna have to get like surgery and plates put in for that bad of a break. And now every time he fights, somebody's just gonna be kicking the hell out of his ankle, like every time, every time. Yeah, it doesn't seem worth it. It just doesn't seem worth it. No. It seems like he's accomplished so much in the sport. Obviously, he's probably the most popular guy to ever come through the sport. You know, because I mean, I'm not the biggest UFC guy, but I've definitely watched a ton of McGregor fights. Made a lot of. I think he's 1,000 percent the most popular MMA fighter ever. But I would say he would be here, Miranda Anderson Silva. But I mean, you talk about McGregor. He's an international athlete. He's somebody that has gotten. All the big fights every year. He always has the biggest cards, has the biggest pay-per-view, has the most fans just because of how he talks, you know. And he can hit the hell out of people. Like, he not 19 of his 22 wins are knockouts. That's why people love him. It's always – every fight he's ever fought has been really exciting. But, you know, at this point, he hasn't won a fight. Like, his last win was a couple years ago. Was it Cowboy? may have been it may have been because he's been out he's he's had two boxing matches or whatever and been all this and that and all over the place and he's lost a couple times since then too um i mean let's not forget the beat down that khabib gave him um so i think he should hang it up to be honest with you but i don't think he will because he knows that he can talk his way back into a payday because he always does but like, uh, yeah, and it, I, that makes sense. But like at this point, it's like, dude, wh- like other than you know the money and blah blah blah, like there's not there's no big reason to fight anymore. You know, like, he's not going for the no. titles. He's got nothing really, you know, left to prove. Other than he doesn't want to. That fight right, right there. 
that fight right there was his last basically hoorah like Vita beat Poirier which I think the way the fight was going to me if he could have stayed off the ground I think he would have beat Poirier but you know he didn't win the fight but if he'd have won it he would have had a shot at the belt which is all, all he's really been wanting but now that's way out of the picture because I mean you're talking about a broken tibia and fibula I mean that's like Six months of recovery, and then you got to get back into MMA shape wherever where you have to kick people. And I told somebody this today in the same conversation, like, if he comes back to fight in general, he better just box because he's going to live in hell if he tries to fight somebody in MMA. He's, he's just not going to make it. This seems like the, like the what's the word? The I guess the words out on McGregor, like how to how to beat him, how to you know you're yeah. he comes into it's it so excited, and you've just got to you know you've got to let him run around a little bit, and it it was just like McGregor hyped it all up. Poirier was just quiet, like all like these past few months, I like didn't say anything, like never really talked any shit, which is pretty crazy, like considering like after the second fight, how respectful it was, and like McGregor was. You know, shaking his hand after and, you know, giving all his respect to him and then coming in this fight. You know, obviously, you got to talk shit. You got to sell it. But then he, after that, it's just I thought there was like a respect between them. And then after the third fight, I was like, OK, well, I don't know if they're still trying to sell this or they they, they actually just hate each other. Because it seemed like after the second fight, they were all good and dandy. I think once I'm sure Poirier, he's from Louisiana, he's from his dirty south. So I'm sure he don't really like all the rhetoric and I think I'm pretty sure he said like in he that what sent him over top was when he brought his wife into it so but most of the time those MMA fighters don't take offense only time that people really take offense was Khabib and now Poirier when people because they bring personal stuff like they brought I think Khabib challenged his religion or something or McGregor challenged Khabib's religion and then Poirier's wife but, you know, most guys don't get mad about stuff like that in, in MMA. So he's the ultimate shit talker, though. The ultimate. And he's so funny. His accent is so thick. Like last night, that whenever they gave him the mic, he's got a broken leg. Joe Rogan's on the floor with him. Yeah. He's just saying, I what don't a... give a bollocks. I don't give a bollocks. This fight, this fight is not over. You didn't win. It was a doctor stoppage. And your wife, tell your wife where I'm going to be at at the nightclub for the after party. <laughs> So the scene of the shot of Joe Rogan just sitting on the floor to get the interview like that. That was hilarious. That was probably the best part of the night. Like he interviews Poirier. Obviously, they're talking shit. McGregor's just sitting in the corner, obviously getting his leg fixed on. And Joe Rogan just sits down right beside him. So funny. That is so so funny. Probably. And then, meanwhile, all that's going on. His wife is Poirier's wife is in the ring already, flicking him off. <laughs> yeah, funny stuff, dude. Also, some other highlights tonight. Greg Hardy got his ass kicked. Dude, Greg Hardy needs to just stop. He just needs to stop. <laughs> dude, Greg Hardy. I I didn't. I was. I did not know he was doing UFC. Dude, he's been in the UFC. It, uh, in the UFC for a while. And yeah, like, it's his, that was like his 11th fight. Yeah, his first fight, 
I'm pretty sure he beat the hell out of somebody his first fight, but he's his record's not that great anymore, I don't think. Yeah, it was like I think he's like seven and four or seven and five after that fight. But I mean he just I mean he got rocked. That was quick too. Like he didn't last very long at all. No, not at all. Dude, what a talk you talk about a waste of athleticism, man. Like he could have been really good in the NFL and now he's just on national TV getting his cheeks clapped because Wow he just what? He's, why, he's not why did he get out of the NFL? He couldn't pass a drug test. That's what I thought it was. That's what I thought yeah, it. he kept failing drug tests. Like, he, he bounced around from a couple different teams, and then the Cowboys ended up just letting him go. I'm pretty sure he was with the Cowboys because he, he kept failing drug tests. He got put on, like, the commissioner's, you know, whatever list, um, exempt list or whatever, and he pretty much said, screw it. And then he started – he went into MMA, and – you know, he made a splash with his first fight. He was like on the undercard of, of a you know one of the UFC events. But I mean, hey, I'm not going to knock the man because he's making good money. He's not going to fight for a title fight at any point. Yeah, uh, yeah that that was just so funny to see. Like I was, I don't know. I obviously don't know a lot about it, but it was funny to see Greg Hardy get his ass kicked. The other yeah, one, it, and it, his fucking nickname is Prince of War, dude. Like what? <laughs> Uh, the other one was the Sean O'Malley fight, which was like the opener. I, dude, I don't even remember the other guy's name, but the guy with the green hair. And I've never seen somebody take so many punches. Dude, he was getting his ass beat, and he just had an iron chin the whole time. I did not understand that. And it and it was so funny because O'Malley's literally just backing up, backing up, pop. Backing up, backing up, pop, backing up, pop, 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 back up, back right. up, pop. Like, just over and over. And you kept thinking, like, oh, he's just backing up, he's backing up. But then he was just rare, wild stuff. Sean O'Malley, I mean, kick his ass. But, I mean, credit to homie in the green hair that I can't, you know, I wish I could give him more credit if I knew his name. But... I don't remember his name either. I know exactly what you're talking about, though. <laughs> hey, so I got Hardy's record up right now. So he got he he won by disqual or he lost by disqualification his first time fighting. He knocked somebody out. Then he knocked somebody out in forty five seconds. Then he had a no contest. I guess that was a doctor stoppage. He got beat. He got beat or he won with the decision. He knocked somebody out. He got his ass beat again. He got his ass beat again. So there you go, right there. I mean, he's still above five hundred. He's thirty two years old. Oh my lord! Yeah, same, same age as McGregor and Poirier. Still got plenty of plenty of in the tank, I'm sure. Big fella. Crazy. He's huge too, dude. Big fella. All right, so that's USC talk. USC, I think it was two sixty four. The NBA finals are going on. How about that? The NBA finals are going on. And uh, yeah. the Suns took the first two. Bucks took Game Three last night, which I've kind of predict. I predicted. I figured that the Bucks were not going to lose their first home game. I think they're going to win Game Four as well. Um, and you think? Yeah, I think the Bucks will have Game Four. I just I don't see a situation like I like the Bucks beat the shit out of them last night. I mean it. You know, the Bucks are really good at home. The Bucks only have one loss at home all playoffs, and it was game one against the Hawks. Um, I just don't – like, the Suns are good, and everybody's on these, the Suns hype train, right? 
it's a, it's a very unfortunate thing that you know however long we picked the NBA playoffs you you were going for the Suns and I and I told you not to or you know but everyone's on the Suns but I mean the Bucks like they're really just Giannis like doing his thing like it the second half in game two is like we'll just change everything like I remember watching the first half and when Giannis is like taking like three threes instead of just driving to the paint that's the thing and. That is why the Bucks like easily could have made the finals like way easier than they made it. It is Giannis just. I mean, and granted, he got hurt in the game four, blah blah blah. But anyway, if he just would attack, you know, I I feel like Giannis so badly wants to be an all around player, right? He all he so badly wants to have a jump shot, blah blah blah. He but I would say he's gotten way better at free throws since the beginning of the playoffs. And so he's not. I would. I, I wouldn't. I would say maybe a little bit of a liability, but he's no Ben Simmons. He definitely can make at least sixty percent. And right. he's also there's nobody in the game, like nobody in the entire NBA, better inside the painted square, rectangle, whatever you want to call it, than Giannis Antetokounmpo. Like nobody. Mm-hmm. So that's what I was saying. No. Is before game two, and when he went off in the third quarter. Everybody's loving on him, saying how much he, you know, he's putting team on his back. Well, yeah, because he finally sat his ass up and was like, "Oh my God, why am I taking threes? Like, why am I? Why do I not just bully everyone yeah. in the fucking paint? Yeah. I am the best. I am probably a top three basketball player in the world. I'm the best player in the world inside this painted square. I'm just gonna go there every single time. If I get fouled, I'll get fouled. He's you know, you airball you free throws, whatever. I would rather Giannis go to the line, get fouled, miss a free throw or two, and, you know, go 15 for 30 at the line than him start just shooting threes. Like, I just, you know, like, there is a reason. He has no business shooting threes. No business. A, you, if you can't make a free throw, don't take a three. That's the way I see it. But I think the Bucks. I don't know who's going to win the series. You know, I'm going to predict that the Bucks will win the series. I just don't want the Suns to win. But why I, I, do you not? Are you not on the Chris Paul train or what? No, nah, I just you know I just don't like going for Coach Bud. No, nah, I just don't like the Suns. Personal reasons, just don't like the Suns. Uh, is it the girl that uh, got ran a train on by the Suns team? No, it's not the bubble. No, uh, fuck the Suns. <laughs> no, but that 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 that's a that's a funny story. That is a funny story. <laughs> Very funny story, bro. Very funny, but what? I, I mean, think what do you that th- might be their, their that might be their magic ticket right there. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure, I'm sure, you know, in the locker room before the games, things are getting nuts oh, in there. Absolutely, dude. <laughs> what are you thinking absolutely. of the Um, the backcourts have basically won or lost this the first two games. So, like, to me, the Bucks have constructed themselves to be Drew Holiday's is the perimeter defender. And he's just a playmaker. Giannis is a pure scorer, pretty much, and a defensive menace because he's so damn big, strong, tall, long, and athletic. But he can't close the games out, so he has to score 35 before the middle of the fourth. And then Chris Middleton's got to score 25 or 30 and then close the game out. So I don't know if they can sustain that. But also, I don't know if the Suns can sustain shooting so damn well with the two guards. Like, Chris Paul and Devin Booker and DeAndre Ayton have played a ton of minutes in the playoffs. Like a lot. 
So I hope they have enough in the gas tank. I'm pulling for the Suns because I think Chris Paul does not get enough credit for how good he is. I mean, you know, if he won a t- if if he wins a title, I think a lot of people will maybe consider him to be like a top five guy of all time, personally. But I don't player. know, man. It's just like player it's point a, top five point guard. No, 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 not player. <laughs> no, 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 no. Point guard. Point guard. I mean, you got to think you got, you know, Magic, Stockton, Steph Curry's probably in that conversation at this point. Steve Nash, Chris Paul, you know, guys like that. I mean, they're going to be in that conversation. I think Chris Paul is, I mean, they call him point God for a reason. So, um, also very, very crazy that the Bucks bench cannot score to save their lives. Like, it is literally the starting five, and like Bryn Forbes, if he gets hot, that's uh, about it. Brent Forbes, like, I love when he comes in the game, and they, it's just so obvious what they're doing. Like, they are trying to set him up so much. And he, oh, and he, yeah. he always misses, like, the first two or three, too, and then he'll make one. I feel like he goes, like, two for five, two for six in the three-point line every single game. Like, he's just, he's just in there running around. It's so obvious that they're setting him up. Uh, you said something earlier about the backcourts. That's another thing about the Bucks. Chris Middleton and Drew Holiday are like the two most like inconsistent players I've, I think I've ever seen ever, in my life. bro, ever. Like they'll either score 40 or they'll score 13 after shooting like eight for fucking 40. Like it's crazy. Yeah. It, it, it truly is. Like I think th- that's what I'm saying. Like and Charles Barkley was saying it all the time when, you know, the Eastern Conference Finals, everything. Like the Bucks are just the dumbest team. And it makes sense. Coach Bud, you know, obviously known for not getting it done in the playoffs. And I think he just had a lot of talent and a lot of things go right his way. Because, I mean, I'm still on the train that, you know. Oh, dude. The Bucks team should not be there. First of all, yes, like you said, if Trey Young was healthy, the Hawks are in the finals. One. If Kyrie and James Harden are healthy, the Bucks aren't even in the fi- conference finals. And some, didn't somebody get hurt in the series? No, no, no. Nobody got hurt in the other series. I feel like they've been just been blessed with not being injured and other people getting injured. Which I mean, they have you know Divincenzo is out for them right now, so that's kind of impacting how things are going. But yeah, they the Bucks have gotten lucky. This might be maybe the third or fourth best team in the East in my book this year, but they're there. So whatever. I never yeah. thought that Coach Bud's style of play was ever going to win them a finals there. And we've, we, everybody's been saying that for years. I think they can pull a game out, you know. But I think that the Suns are good enough to where they'll be able to thwart whatever the hell they got going on the next, in game four. And I think game four is a series, you know. It's either you even it up and take it back to Phoenix or you go down 3-1, go back to Phoenix. So, I mean, if they don't win this next game, yeah, I think if the Suns win game it's four, over. Over and it's five. over. It's yeah. over. It's completely over. And it's the bad thing is, is for the Bucks, it is only going to come down to how well Drew Holiday and, and Milton score. Because we know at this point, we know that Giannis is going to score 30 to 40. He's he's going to. He's going to get 10 boards. That's pretty much, I think he's averaging like 37 and and nine and a half or something like that right now. So if your backcourt's not shooting, it's basically a battle of the backcourts. 
Aiton is going to be a force inside. He's been playing his ass off. But if you can't outscore Devin Booker and Chris Paul, it's not going to happen. And Devin Booker has been playing really good defense so far, too. The, I, You know, a lot of people – this is what I don't get. A lot of people are saying they're not invested in this finals this year because it just doesn't feel like one. If anything, I'm here for the small market teams being in the finals. I'm sick of seeing Steph Curry and LeBron run the damn thing for the last 10 or 15 years. It's just I'm a nice change it. of scenery. Like, it's yes, just, it it's is. Like, you know, you're just getting something new. And, like, it, you hope it's, like, just – but the, but the thing is, is you have to start – people are so used to, obviously, LeBron being in the finals. I mean, he was in, you know, what, 11 out of the last 12. But I, I think the, the key is to, like, have cons- – like, this become consistent. Like, you can't – like, obviously, there's going to be teams that are going to be really good, make two or three finals in a row, right? But I think if you can get I, – I would I would be willing to bet there's going to be two different teams in the finals next year, which is Probably. good. Which is good. I mean, but, I mean, you know, at one point, the NBA had – the same two teams in the finals for four years in a row. Like, you know, and I honestly, I wasn't mad about that. Maybe the first three times after the fourth time, you know, you're like, okay, well, we all know this is going to go, but I, I like to change the scenery too. I mean, I like, I like seeing new stars and it's, it's just obvious that the league's caught up, you know, like we, yeah. we found that out and, you know, round one when LeBron's out, like if LeBron's out in round one, obviously the league, like you can say Anthony Davis is hurt, which, that, that I could go into a whole plethora of reasons. Oh why. man, they were the, the Suns were down two one before AD got hurt. Yeah, well, I could go to a whole plethora of reasons why the Lakers are just so dumb, and that's why when you build super teams like that, and it shows like in the Nets and the Lakers that when you build a super team like that, and you just like put all your money into two to three players, and you the rest of your team is just absolute garbage, and you and you and another thing is you act like Dennis Schroeder is going to be like this. Uh, they act like Dennis Schroeder is like the second coming of. I don't he's know. He's a really good there. six man. He's a great yeah. six man. He's a horrible point guard that's starting for you. Like you don't want that guy on the ball. It just yeah, there's just a lot of overhyped stuff, and it's like the Lakers were always hyping up like that Horton Tucker guy, and then you got Kyle Kuzma, who everyone loves to make fun of. I mean, just things like that. Like they just didn't build a roster built for it. That's that's my opinion. But yeah. the same thing with the Nets, yeah. you know, you don't build a team or, you know, you you have Kevin Durant and then you got Blake Griffin, who albeit was way better when he got to the Nets. But I mean, other than that, like who did you have? Joe Harris, you know, he was good, but he was absolute trash in the playoffs. Oh, um, man, he couldn't hit the side of a barn. No, it was so that's, bad. That's so crazy. Can you think if Joe Harris makes like one three, you know, in any of the games that they they'd probably literally. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, but I like what you're saying though here, and I I completely agree because I think the the ultimate build for a team at this point is you need one one maybe two superstars, and if you have one, you better have a really good closer of some sort. Kind of like what the Suns are doing; like they have two really, really, really they're superstars. Devin Booker and Chris Paul are superstars. And then your third best player is, you know, Aiton's coming along, making his. He was the number one. Uh, Aiton was the number one pick in the draft. Oh yeah, yeah. He was the number yeah. one pick. He was in the a real deal draft. coming out. He was the number one pick in the draft that had Luca and Trey. So I mean, he's obviously, you know, the guy. Like a, you know, he's going to be the guy, and obviously having Chris Paul. Right. Um, right, and then you got to have a wing defender, which they have that in Jay Crowder. And 
here's the deal with the Nets and the Lakers. You talk about they construct their roster bad, and I think they did too, especially the Nets, because they traded so many pieces away just to get Harden, who was not that big of a factor. Well, it wasn't, yeah, especially, yeah. He was there, but it didn't He seem- wasn't that big of a factor. You look at the teams that started the super team, okay? You had the Miami Heat, all right? These cats had LeBron, Dwayne Wade, and Chris Bosh, which I may be biased here, but I would say that big three is a lot better than the big three the Nets probably have because they have two point guards. No good, all right? And then on top of that, LeBron's teams had guys like Ray Allen, who have been there before, Udonis Haslam, who had been there before, right? And these guys are staples in the lineup, and you know they can produce. You don't, you don't get that same feeling. Like when I say Ray, the name Ray Allen, and then I say the name Joe Harris right behind it, you know which team was better if that's yeah. your third or fourth best player. Yeah, makes perfect sense. I mean, it, but like you said, yeah, I mean, it's good to see leagues caught up. I definitely think there will be two different teams in the finals next year. Yeah. I hope that these small market teams keep balling, dude, because mm-hmm. I'm so tired of seeing those big teams that are paying that shit ton of luxury tax in it. I'm glad this – hopefully this proves that if you draft well and make a couple of good picks here and there, you know, things can pan out pretty well for you. Yeah. I mean, these are two teams that – yeah, these are two teams that's like, you know, just do the right thing. You know, like you draft – like yeah, they, no both, doubt. they both drafted – you know, the Suns drafted – the superstars and Aiden and Booker. The Bucks drafted superstars and Giannis and I wouldn't call Middleton superstars, but a good player and Chris Middleton. And then right. they traded. They go for, out and get a piece. Yeah, they, they go get go the out, piece get they need. Need in Chris Paul and then Drew Holiday. Right. And then everything else can go your way. And then you're here, you know. And obviously, there's a lot of the injury stuff this playoff. There was no Kawhi. Trey Young got hurt. Um, you know, Kyrie and James weren't there and. Anthony Davis her and then uh, Jamal Murray Brown wasn't a hundred percent. Jamal Murray was out for the Nuggets. The Nuggets were really, really good whenever he was there. Yeah. So I mean, really but it is good. what you know. But you you play with what you got. So we'll see. Hopefully, about right. I love how that people just like last year, and we said this too. Like Chris Paul, it was between Chris Paul and Russell Westbrook for who had the worst contract in the league, and now one of them's in the finals. I just find yeah. that hilarious. <laughs> but I mean, you know, he's worth he, at this point. Chris Paul is probably worth the max money. He's just really old. The contract does is not going to look good in two years. But hell, I mean, they got to the finals off of it. I mean, I'd be pretty satisfied. That's what most general managers would like. If you ask them, would you trade a thirty-six-year-old with a horrible max contract for two or three years? You got to deal with, but you make it to a finals. I'm just going to tell you, yeah, yeah. So, I know I would. I'd take him all day. All right. Uh, let's move on. Last thing. College football has hit a – or college sports in general uh, has hit a wild time. The NCAA has finally folded their ways, and players can now make money off their name. Um, yeah. Thanks, NCAA. I just got out of college football last year. Thanks. Appreciate <laughs> it. Which that's one thing is all these players before that, you know, never, were not able to do it. And I guess, you know, you basically just got to get over it. It's whatever. But yeah, that, that, that's nuts to think about. Like, could you imagine like a, a Johnny, like a Johnny Manziel oh, definitely made money and signed contracts? Cam oh, Newton, yeah. 
and so but like could you imagine how much money like they really could have made you know like uh like uh just nuts like i'm just you know thinking of todd Gurley. like obviously got in, i'm thinking i'm thinking of obviously these people that already got in trouble well like an, okay like an andrew luck like an andrew luck could have made a lot of money good face you know nice guy tim tebow tim tebow made a killing Things like Matt that would have made a killing you know, Jameis Winston, like, you know, came to, all your Heisman guys would have made a fortune, mm. an absolute fortune. Even your college basketball players like Zion, like think about your money Zion could have made back in college. Like, and I do like this. Um, the one thing that I was reading about was especially now because the well, it, it, it's irrelevant in football, but in the in basketball, like the G League just started that whole thing where you can just sign out, go to the G League. And make money off rip, right? And now, and in baseball, it's like you can get drafted and make money off rip. Well, now, like, now we've gotten incentives for kids to go to college, you know, and this, it, it'll, it, it's going to take time to see, you know, how it'll all play out. But I think thinking positively, like, it's going to in, incentivize more kids to go to college. And also, it's going to incentivize kids. I mean, they got to ball out to make the money, right? Like, you're not, you're not going to get sponsored being some blowjo seventh guy on the bench, right? And so I would, I would, thinking positively, like I said, think that this could, this should turn out to be a good thing. I, I think it would be good because, well, first of all, let's address this, okay? If you are out there listening to this and you think these college guys haven't been getting paid this whole time, you probably have, you probably have a low IQ. He's been making a ton of money under True. the table for a long time. Very long time. I mean, DeAndre they eight. just had, oh, yeah, yeah, Zion. Zion's in something right now. And then Reggie Bush took 300000 for those autographs. That's just the beginning of it. I mean, I've been in football for a while now. And even when I was in high school and through college, I knew of guys that were offered tons of money through boosters of big schools, primarily in the SEC. Where, I mean, these are like life-changing dollar amounts. And there was a thing that came out recently. It didn't make big news. I guess they got it got squashed. But, um, like, there's, there's a known bag man. They call them the bag man for UGA, and he lives in Cordell, okay? This is all over the place. But now, only thing NIL does is it makes it legal, and it makes it profitable through business. It can't be through, you know... Just here, here's a McDonald's bag, Jeremy Pruitt, take this yeah. money. It can't be like that. You can actually just sign a deal and be like, you know, here's my money. So, like, I don't know if you remember this, but whenever Roquan Smith first got out of UGA and declared for the draft, the first people that sponsored him was the BMW dealership in Athens. That shit's probably going to run rampant now. All them kids are going to be driving around new cars. Every last one of them. Mm. But I'm I'm so glad that there's a movement for it because the the idea of amateurism being a thing in college football is such horseshit because that rule was made before they even dreamed of getting eight hundred million dollars for the college football playoff series just for ESPN for a couple of years like that money should be divvied out to the participants and to the schools it shouldn't be kept by the organization those players make billions of dollars for these schools and even now they don't get paid by the schools which that was exactly what i would like to see is some kind of prorated salary for all the players i mean they get like their weekend stipends but 
you know, it needs mm. to be. I still think they could do better. I still well, think they could do better. I think what you said earlier, and I've argued this, and this has been one of my big arguments for why there should be a 12 team co- like a lot of people were really mad about like a 12 team college football playoff. I'm I'm in for the action of let's run it right because the way yeah. I'm looking at it is like you just said like this is not an amateur sport this is not and it hasn't been no, for not. a long time the amount of money and and attention that goes into college football is and just football specifically basketball too to a certain degree but football just talking about this for the playoff purposes there is so much money like this is not an amateur sport and so when i when you think to go into the 12 team playoff and people you know players people are mad well here's the thing we can't have you know have our cake and eat it too you can't say well we're gonna start paying these players but it's not fair for them to have to play 15 16 games well no the way i see it is now this is professional stuff right so now if me the paying customer wants to see 12 teams in a playoff and yeah you i know, should be able to get that yeah i should be able to get that and if, if a college student has to play you know 15 16 games for me to get that and for you know and, and at the end of the day that's more money for them that's more you know that's more entertainment for us you can argue that yeah we've seen blowouts in the college football playoff almost every year yada 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 that's not the point the point is there's more college football there's more intrigue to the sport there's more there's more, well, more chance right and the more the more really plays out to this is the big thing that I've thought about you got your big conference games in the SEC, and those happen every year. But now, if you bring in bigger schedules, think about the teams that are going to play each other before the season. Like, you have Alabama and Ohio State playing against each other preseason kind of deal. You have, you know, the big prime with, time with, games. And, and with those games. And, and that's, more money. that's a great point. With those ga- more money, but also with those games, a loss doesn't get you out. Right, no, that's the one thing people no. want to argue is now. Oh, well, now we're gonna have three lost teams in the playoffs. Sure, why yeah, the fuck? That's not? what you have in the NFL. Why you have the... ten and six teams winning, winning, winning Super Bowls. Like I saw, like and you know, Homer, call it whatever you want. Georgia, la- I would say Georgia last year at the, the end, end of the season was absolutely. Well, I would argue they were a top five team in the country for sure. Absolutely, they have the resume to pull it off. But what do you do? I would have. Put my any. I don't have a lot of money, but if I had every dollar I had, that Georgia would have beat Notre Dame, like one thousand percent. I mean, they beat them the year before. Yeah, I mean, just like there's, and like you said, I mean, if you get those big games, yes, teams can lose two or three games. There's twelve teams, and another big thing that I've always argued to people so far about this whole thing is that I think that. You're not like this gives such a big chance to the little guy too, and I think for the fairness yes. of the sport, yes. because you can't have the Boise States, the UCFs, the Western Michigans, the you know whoever you want to call it, whoever gets on that year. You can't tell me like I know they're not as good. They don't have all the nice stuff. They don't play all the competitive team. Blah blah blah. But we there's 130 teams in one division of football. And are you telling me that just because this team doesn't have the money or doesn't have the structure or doesn't have the ooh-la-la of 
what a USC or Alabama or Georgia or Florida, whatever they have, that be, just because just because they go twelve and zero, but because who all they played wasn't as good as the others, that they're penalized for it. I think that that is the huge thing that even you know, and will they get whipped? Most likely, but you never know. Cincinnati gave Georgia a run for the run. UCF beat Auburn. Like these these things happen, you know. It also. Like it, 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 I think just for the fairness of the sport, for a team like that to be involved, or maybe two teams, you never know. It's it just it just makes it more fair. Like I just think it's way more fair to the little guy in this type of situation as well. I think so too because now, you know, the big draw between you know you have your five teams that are going to dominate recruiting every year right now, right? So every year it's going to be. Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State, Georgia, and Oklahoma. They run the tables on everybody in recruiting every year. Now, that market, I mean, we have to talk about it like a market because there's money involved for the players now, too. That market is flooded. So now if you pick teams like, hell, I don't know, you could go with literally any team that's in a big market but has a bad football team, like Temple. Temple's in the middle of Philly. That's a big market. It's the only college in town that's pretty good. Georgia Tech is another one, and Georgia State also. And also, these big-time five-star, four-star recruits, they don't, obvious, they don't often stray away from the big schools because they know that if they get their chance at those big schools, they're more likely to get drafted. Well, now, if you're the big fish in a little pond, that's a lot more money for you, and you can still get the same attention from the NFL as anybody else. You know, you may not win a bunch of championships, but you will have a little bit more parity as to where these four and five stars, like Alabama's not going to hoard. Maybe they get, instead of seven five stars like they usually do, maybe they get five because two of them, one of them wants to go to Florida Atlantic and one of them wants to go to, you know, hell, anybody, literally anybody, like Nebraska or something like that, anybody. Somebody that's not relevant because now they have the opportunity to be presented with NIL deals that can't or NLI NLI deals that can profit them and change their lives. Yeah. And also the 12 man team playoff is huge because now if we get that in, yes, it's going to be a lot of games. It's going to be a lot of games for those really good teams. And they ought to, if they're that good, they should be able to play those games and endure them. And they should be deep enough to do it. But now you don't have to hear the murmurs of, you know, like when TCU got moved down to five from four and put Ohio State in. You don't have to hear about UCF going undefeated and not getting in. You don't have to hear about Coastal Carolina squeaking it out. You know, if if you're undefeated, you're probably going to get in with a 12-man team or a 12-man playoff every time. Yeah. So I feel like that's how it should be. Yeah. Now, the bowl game situation is going to be hairy, right? Yeah. I mean, for sure. But they can figure that out. Hell, they can create bowl games because those games, if it is called college football playoff, I guarantee you, I will be watching. And I guarantee you, a lot of Americans will watch it too. I'm sure the same amount of people that will watch those semifinal games and those Orange Bowl games, whether they are the playoff games or not, those people are going to tune into what they call playoff. And you bring in all these other fan bases that have some kind of investment. Right? So like Boise State, when they come, if they lose their conference or if they win their conference and they're you know 12 and 1, they're thinking, well, 
What, bowl, what what big bowl game are we going to? Are we going to the Fiesta Bowl this year? Are we going to the Cotton Bowl? No, we're in the playoff this year. Oh, shit. Let's watch. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, I would say the bowl situation for all the teams that don't make it, sure, it's going to get a little weird. But, I mean, dude, like, like the bowl game, I think bowl games are most likely, like, and I like bowl games. I like watching bowl games. Don't get me wrong. And I think, you know, if you love the sport and you want to play the bowl game, you, you will. But it's like, I mean, the bowl games, I feel like they've, for college athletes, I mean, they've already been dead, you know, for the players themselves. Yeah, but this NLI can revive that, dude, because now you can get sponsorships and money and gifts from businesses. Like when they went to those bowl games, you could just get like, you know, like if you went to the, the bowl game down in the Bahamas, you got a vacation for a couple of days. You get a couple things of gear, a couple mm-hmm. meals. Now you can get sponsorships. You can get actual cash money. You can mm-hmm. be advertised. You can market yourself exactly. as these big bowl games. That's it's a great a point. draw to go. Mm-hmm. That's a great point. I mean, it's, that's what I was saying earlier. Like, you've got to perform to make the money, right? So Yeah. Yep. That's how I feel. All right, so before we wrap it up, give me your funniest uh, – college athlete sponsorship so far Mm. well a lot of people are getting these psd underwear deals and (laughs) i don't think anybody in america wants to see them in underwear especially the o-linemen um but i don't really think that's funny i don't know if i've seen an actual funny one to be honest with you no well, I think James Washington, the big tight end out of Georgia, being sponsored by Crystals is hilarious because that big motherfucker eating tiny little burgers. It's just, uh, it's just a funny image. Yeah, no shit. That is really funny that he's got all those big ass crystal boxes in front of him. That's pretty hilarious. Well, there's some dope sponsorship though. Really dope sponsors like Canes sponsoring Spencer Rattler. That's huge. And mm-hmm. the bar stool movement. Just the bar the movement like is sponsoring. Nuts. It is nuts. There's two guys, two of my friends from, uh, like, one of them was my roommate. He's a golfer. He's sponsored by Barstool. And um, one of the O-linemen at LaGrange, which is a little D3 school. And that's something else that is awesome about this. Like, it's not just going to the big-time athletes. We think of it in that grand scheme of things. But, you know, for me coming from D3, which is very small football for those that don't really know, I mean, if I'm a Barstool athlete and I'm just getting sent, you know, Pizza Hut gift cards and a T-shirt that says athlete on it, that's really cool. Like, that is that is probably the coolest thing that – one of the coolest things I will experience. It just makes college. you want to work harder. It does. It does. Because you, you see all these people, like if you're in high school right now and you're, you know, you, you probably not listen to this, but if you are and you're an athlete, yeah, go work because you might be able to get that sponsorship. And the, the, the ends of this proposal are limitless. And it is about damn time that like this is one of the things in my life that I felt like definitely needed reform in America. OK, we're still behind on marijuana. Marijuana is got to be the next to go, man. But I'm glad that college football players have finally got their money. But, you know, let them smoke a bowl here and there. That's all I'm asking. Nice. Hey, well, in other news, though, uh, Pete Alonzo is raking right now. And Joey Gallo got beat by one home run. So, mm-hmm. very sad day for me. My prediction has already went to shit. Nice. Feeling hot. All right. 
that's going to wrap up episode 27 of Deep Shot Podcast. For Caleb Spear, this is Garrison. Sign out. See ya.